0: Foundation Physiotherapy and Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, we're privileged to see the true power of sports, bringing people together through the best and worst times in our lives.
1: It was just his personality made me enjoy going to the field every day because I knew You know, I knew he was going to be there. I knew he was going to be smiling. I knew he was going to be wanting to talk and have fun.
0: And now, here's your host, Barry Davis. Hello again, folks,
2: and welcome to the program. And, uh, you know, normally we make little jokes and make fun of each other at the beginning of the show. But uh, uh, it is going to be a rather serious conversation today uh, with Scott Downs. It's going to be a very emotional conversation today, uh, but also a very heartwarming conversation. And... We always look at our show, Tom, as the human side of sports, and and this is exactly uh, what we deliver this week uh, because of just what a wonderful human being Scott Downs is and what he has done to help uh, heal a family that has suffered severe tragedy. tragedy.
0: Yeah, and and that's what really sticks out to me about this story. It's not not just about, you know, and, and, and Scott talks about it in the interview it's not just about him helping them. It's about just the amazing relationship between them and then helping each other. And it's the best of what sports can stand for. And I'm so proud to share it this week.
2: Yeah. We really look forward to uh, giving you all the opportunity to hear that. Uh, we will have, do we have an ask Barry Davis question?
0: We do. Yes. If all we right. That time. Yeah. Well, well yeah,
2: we'll do, we'll yeah. do that. We'll have asked Barry Davis. We'll hear from Raj Sapaya. And uh, up next, um, so that horrific off season, not as bad as many thought it would be. There's Tom Forth, I'm Barry Davis, and this is Out of the Park.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis.
2: And the first pitch is brought to you by our good friends at Ballistic Sports, BallisticSports.com. Uh, you hear Tom mention it at the beginning of every show, and you're probably asking, what is it and when can I get it? Uh, well, the, when can I get it? We do not know yet, but it will be hopefully soon. COVID has obviously uh, put a real damper on a lot of businesses and and, uh, halted a little bit of the production and getting the investors they were looking for. But this game is going to be huge when it comes out. As to what is it, Tom?
0: It is the most exciting upcoming interactive sporting experience. They've got games lined up for baseball, for football, and for hockey. And it's basically like, a board game you can play alongside your sporting experience it helps you know what it, it helps bring a little bit of excitement into all their lives right now and and yeah it's it's a great opportunity to go check them out on twitter appleistic underscore sports and, and learn how you can help this fantastic canadian company with a great game get it to market and and you know what it'll help us all get through this thing it'll give us a new way to while away those hours just watching the Jays games this year.
2: All right, Thomas, speaking of those Toronto Blue Jays, uh, it was not that long ago that we did a Mm -hmm. poll on the show, and uh, I would say there was a large majority of fans out there that thought the Blue Jays' offseason was a complete and utter failure. Yep. Okay?
0: Yeah, yep.
2: Well, now, as we discuss this on, as we record February the 13th, ESP, actually MLB.com, put out, the 10 teams that won the winter. Okay? Mm-hmm. The number mm-hmm. one team that won the winter was not the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, it was in fact the San Diego Padres. And, you know, they, they get yeah. you know Blake, Snell, and you Darvish, you know, not a bad. And then add uh, Joe Musgrove. Uh they mm-hmm. they've done a really good job. The Padres absolutely huge offseason. Team number two, you cannot. You cannot forget what the New York Mets did this offseason. They got Lindor and Carrasco. Yep. Uh, this team is is going to be big. Coming yeah, in at number absolutely. three of the top teams of the offseason, your Toronto Blue Jays, folks.
0: I love it. I love it. I don't Third. ever want to win another offseason. Third. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: No, no. You're right. That is the kiss of death. Uh-huh. The kiss of yep. death. You do not want to win the off season. You do not want to win the offseason. Remember 2013. Uh, mm-hmm. But what the Blue Jays did do is they have put themselves in a tremendous position to compete. And the expended playoff, I believe, is coming back again for this season. So the Jays have a great opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. The George Springer signing alone was was huge. Then you add yeah. Marcus Simeon, you know. So there's there's two really good solid players. Uh, you add Kirby Yates uh, into the bullpen. Yep. It, I I like what the Blue Jays have done this offseason. Could yep. they use there's another a... starter? Yes, of course they could use another starter. Bingo. But there's a... yep. it's not the Sorry. end of the world because when people are looking at how this rotation is going to shape up for this year, n- people are forgetting, uh, you know like some of the younger players that have had a chance to get in there. Maybe Thornton ends up taking that number five spot and and looks good. Right. I mean, there's, there's just a myriad of possibilities that can happen. And if what the Jays have done up to this point is being considered number three in major league baseball for the off season, I don't think any blue Jay fan has any right to complain about what still needs to be done.
0: No, no, uh, and you know the the starting pitching thing is definitely uh, something that sticks out a little bit right you know we're not where we want to be as as uh, a fan base with our starting pitching math but you know we're lucky enough to, to talk to to talk to players every week and we're lucky enough to really be up and 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 sort of current with what's happening in baseball and the changing role of starting pitching mm-hmm and and you know what our bullpen looks fantastic especially at the back end and if the last 10 seasons have taught baseball fans anywhere anything and i don't care what what city you're in it's that no matter how good your starting pitching looks going into it the hallmark of a successful starting pat uh, starting you know five is that flexibility and is that ability to pivot it's that deep farm system it's it you know your starting five isn't what wins championships anymore it isn't
2: no you're absolutely right well speaking of starting five uh, every good nba team needs a good starting five the raptors have that uh, but they also have an injury concern this is where we turn to raj sapaya
1: foundation physiotherapy presents the medical room
2: And joining us once again over Zoom is our pal Raj Sapaya. Raj Sapaya, three locations of Foundation <laughs> Physiotherapy. Now, you can do a Zoom uh, appointment with you, correct?
3: Yeah, we can do virtual uh, We can do virtual rehab. We can do the assessment and some basic exercises and treatment uh, through a, a secure platform. Uh, if patients don't feel safe coming into the clinic, but our clinics are 100% safe. Everyone wears PPE. We have social distancing. We're highly regulated, so... Uh, we're essential, and, and we're there if you need to. Otherwise, virtual is also a great option.
2: How do you get by without touch, though? I know there's a lot of you know active release treatment. You have massage. You have mm-hmm. uh, chiropractors. You have you know so many things that yeah.
3: No, no, it's a, it's a good, it's a good question. Uh, a, a large part of like, as you know, well, Barry, a large part of what we do is also understanding what the where the pain is coming from and what the source is. And a lot of that can come from asking the right history and asking the right questions and getting people to move, right? So we want to just make sure that we're able to, a lot of times for people, even if they can't come into the clinic, just understanding what the problem is can be very helpful. You know, so if you have an elbow plane, but it's really coming from your shoulder and neck, we can get a lot of that information just from a chat, right? Just from understanding the history uh, in, in medicine and in health, understanding the patient's history gives us so much more information.
0: You know, would that have been something that you've learned since all of this COVID craziness has started is just how much we can do remotely?
3: Well, yeah, like, like exactly how much we can do remotely is I think has been uh, COVID has has given us the tools to do that. Um, we've always known that on talking to our patients is like the number one skill and the number one kind of technique that we have to help us. Right. But since the shutdown, and we weren't able to see people. We realized, why don't we magnify that skill? Right? Why don't we work off that skill and just teach people exercises and teach people that way? And in clinic is good as well, but obviously we can still do it virtually.
2: Raj, let's talk a little Raptors this week. And yeah. uh they've been okay health-wise this year. I, uh, there was that's a little scare with Kyle Lowry we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But now the one that I'm curious about is Anobi, because he has what they list as a calf strain, but he's been out an awfully long time. So, you know, from your uh Professional opinion. And again, it can only be an opinion because you have not examined anobi. No. Um, Ananobi. Anobi. An yeah. Does it seem to be a little <laughs> bit long of a timeout for something like that?
3: It, it does, I think, to the common person. A calf strain seems like a long time. Like, why is he still up for two weeks? Right? Um, you think you think a calf strain, you stretch it out, you massage it, you heat it, and, and you're good to go. But um, I mean Unless there's something else going on that we're not privy to in the media. Uh, I actually think this is just, it, it could just be a, a more severe strain. Like we have three different grades. He could be more grade two, grade three strain. And imagine for a basketball player, just to get that fine-tuning movement, the powering movement, the ballistic movements, the explosion that's required. Um, he could just be not at that level yet because of that strain.
0: How large a chance is there of re-injury if, he, if a player tries to come back from a strain too early? I think there's a hu- huge chance and, and
3: that might be a decision in their in their pro- in their like timelines, right? It might be like let's just let this guy heal up quickly, especially in something like the calf, um, because it could restrain, because he's, he's gonna use it again. So a lot of times the symptoms will go down quickly, like the tension of the pain will go down, but the weakness is still there. And then if the player goes and explodes through it the very next t- day, It might happen again or it might happen a few days later. So this might be one of those things where they're putting him through the testing and having him jump thousands of times, having him explode thousands of times to make sure there's absolutely no symptoms and his power is still the same. And then when he's good, he's like, okay, go in. It might just be one of those things where they don't need him right away. So why not just get him at perfect health so he doesn't injure himself again?
2: Raj, as you know, the key to avoiding injury is lengthening, strengthening,
3: right? You got it, right? Yeah.
2: So is it safe to say that either he wasn't doing enough of it or if he hadn't been doing it, he'd probably be I- even more seriously hurt. Like we'd see so many more because it always amazes me how many players go out with these strains when they should be lengthening and strengthening.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I'm going to give like the Raptors team the, the benefit of that. I, I don't, I don't think these guys, they're, they're training, they're training the hardest they can, right? I'm pretty sure he's lengthening and strengthening, but Remember it, it's the contact sport, there's explosion that's going to happen. Every time that you take your body beyond its load, there's going to be an injury. There's going to be some sort of, um, you know, something that happens. Um, had he not been lengthening and strengthening could this have become a tear? You know, that could be the alternative, you know, conversation we're having. So maybe it's just a strain. So two to three weeks off is still better than two to three months off right? Uh, I think I think no matter what, there's going to be strains and sprains in, in a, any sport, but the stronger you are, the longer you are going into it, you're definitely, you know, hopefully that's the worst thing you'll have.
2: Well, strengthening always remains an option for me, Raj. Uh, lengthening, <laughs> I don't think I'm getting any taller than this, my friend. This is where it's going to end.
3: <laughs> you're, you're a lost case, man. <laughs> don't, we don't even worry about you. <laughs>
2: Talk to you next week, Raj.
3: <laughs> Later. Try to see it my
4: way i yes.
1: Of the park presents Ask Barry Davis,
2: and a little music from uh, Yours Truly and Mr. Thomas Fourth, uh, doing our cover of the Beatles. We can work it out. I love uh, the fact that even though we can't perform live and, and do concerts or anything, Tom, we can still make music together, even though it's remotely.
0: Yeah, it it, it gets us through, and and. It's amazing you you know you brought it to my attention how many tunes we have like this is we've released a couple live but we've got about 12, 12 to go here yeah you know, lots of material to hopefully brighten everybody's day as we go through these yeah you know, challenging times
2: absolutely Uh Davis is brought to you well could be by you if you are a small business owner and you would like to do some advertising uh, this is a great place to be for out of the park we would be talking about you right now. Instead of talking mm-hmm. about trying to find you. And we get your, uh, your company logo up on our videos. And as you see, uh, videos are uh, one setting up this program on Facebook alone, over 10,000 views, which is pretty cool for Facebook. So if you are a, a company yep, and you're absolutely right and you want to get your your product out there. NSRmedia.ca or uh, just uh, shoot me a, a DM. They're open on Twitter now, you know, Tom.
0: Do you know that? Yeah, and and all I'd say to those, they are they're wide open. Yeah, and and all I would say to those prospective, you know, those prospective advertisers out there, is there is no other show out there like us. Nope. We are more interactive. We're more in depth. We're bringing a greater perspective every single week. So if you've got a product out there that you really want to tell people about, we're the show for you.
2: Well said. All right. So if you do have a question for Ask Barry Davis, you can send them in a myriad of ways, Tom. I, you know, I have not been on our website in you know six years, so I don't even know if it's active. But is that one way someone could submit a question?
0: You know what? Let's try and stay with from the website for right now. Uh, let's use the hashtag Ask Davis on Twitter or send a DM to me at fourth underscore Thomas or a DM to you at Barry Davis underscore and uh i love the
2: way you said that that. underscore
0: exactly right um and then on top of that you can find us on instagram at out of the park you can find me on instagram at one foot at a time uh barry you're all over twitter twitter i'm a tweetier (laughs) you're all over twitter
2: now you're sounding like Um, one of the old guys i know about the
0: the tweeters but barry it's it's true you've got a lot of followers on the twitter
2: i do i do uh but only one question (laughs) this week
0: yeah just one question this week uh and it is from a a relatively shy fan who sent me a dm and uh but they're very very passionate and they're very very worried about the pitching and they want to know specifically from you barry uh the fan's name is jen um i'm not allowed to say any more than that (laughs) okay but they want to know specifically from you barry um if we have to only add one pitcher from now until the beginning of spring training, who's it going to be? Who's the pitcher we should be going after? Well, I know you have
2: your choice of uh, who you think the Blue Jays should get, but looking at what is still available, uh, man, uh, you've got some aging veterans like Jake Arietta and Rick Porcello. Uh, you got Trevor Rosenthal is still out there jay go but for me uh james paxton i'd love to see a he's a lefty b he's a veteran he's 32 and c he's a canadian uh i think Mm -hmm. this i'd love to see him in the rotation
0: that's a pretty solid choice i'd go with mr walker
2: yeah Tom walker uh Mm -hmm. you get a couple of uh, fewer years on the clock he's only 28 years old so probably has more of a upside that way but again i don't think the blue jays necessarily uh, need to get someone who is in the prime right because you've got a young crop of pitchers that are going to be taking over the rotation in the next couple of years so maybe one of the the veteran guys would be good hey matt shoemaker is available
0: there's a oh that's a great name. right and in, in terms of a mentor yeah the young arms
2: exactly wow. yeah exactly and he already is a a rapport with the majority of these young arms on the team. Mm -hmm. So those would be my choices. Again, if you'd like to submit a question, we'll do this each and every week. If you don't submit a question, we will not. All right. In just (laughs) a second, uh, a very emotional conversation uh, as Scott Downs joins us. And and we talk about a myriad of subjects, including uh, a connection that he has made once again Uh, with the father of a young boy who passed away at the age of 18. And he was the biggest, like the biggest Scott Downs fan uh, in the world. And um, again, it was uh, a very tough one to do, Tom. And uh, I think, though, that uh, it's a good story to hear. And it has sad moments, but it's also very heartwarming and positive, especially when you see uh, what an incredible human uh, Scott Downs is!
0: Yeah, I think that this one goes down as one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Just this interview, and and you know, and not necessarily the the, the tragedy behind the story, but just the profound human connection between different people coming from different places, and different in entirely different worlds, basically, with where they were in their lives. And, and how we can be brought together by the, the simplest things. It's marvelous. Everybody get ready. It's a wonderful conversation.
2: Joining us from beautiful Lexington, Kentucky, is former Toronto Blue Jays, Scott Downs. Downsy, what is life like in Lexington, Kentucky?
1: Uh, it's probably the same as it is all over the world right now. Uh, my life is consists of hopefully getting the kids to school on time, picking them up, and doing homework. And so that's about it at the moment
0: how long have the kids been back in school in, in Kentucky
1: our our youngest one has she's been in full time as of i guess right after christmas break january 4th or 5th or somewhere whenever mm-hmm. that was but the the high school kids are going 2 days a week um and are virtual the rest of the time it's just it's it's chaotic because the, you know we've got so many teachers right now that are you know that have the virus and so they're trying to do the best they can with getting kids in school as much as they can. Um, So it's, it's a slow process, but you know, we're getting there. We're handling it.
2: How are the kids, how are your kids dealing with everything? Cause I know Tom's got a couple of young kids. I mean, my guy's 21, so it's different, but for you with the young ones, how is it?
1: It's uh it's tough. You know, my nine year old is just kind of going, she's fine. Um, She's just kind of doing her own little thing, but the high school kids, I have a senior Harrison's a senior now, which is crazy. Um, It's been really hard on him because of the, there's, you know, socially they're not, you know, in in the classrooms are spread out. Socially, they're not allowed to go to basketball games, you know, football games and it was football season. So it's, that part's been tough. Um, So we've been trying to do everything we can to be creative, to get outside, just to, you know, get active and keep your mind from going to that depression stage you know what i'm saying it's and and it's hard like that for all of us uh but as you know so far so good they're handling it my middle one she she's on the cheer team and so they're able to practice here and there so she can see you know kids and girls every now and again but i mean it's not the everyday thing like they're used to doing
0: no i think um you know my family as well my 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 little guys are are nine and ten and uh it's been so hard on them, the isolation, uh, more than anything, and um, you know, it's one of those things that I'm very lucky. I-, I come from a mental health background, so I've seen sort of how this has affected my kids. And I notice right away. I notice the things like the increased shyness, the increased frustration, the increased anger, and and you know. The the good thing about COVID is is we have developed a lot of really fun coping mechanisms. Like right now, our favorite game and how we're kind of all keeping our minds together, uh, we've got a bunch of lightsabers, and we've just started lightsaber dueling, and that's kind of like how our family is staying happy through all this. Is there anything that you guys are doing to, to keep happy through COVID?
1: No, we've been playing a lot of cards, no. um, as much as we can, between cards and board games, and then now we've gotten into this gotten back into just dance i guess on hey whoa, 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 or, whoa. I, i'm not no i'm not dancing
4: <sighs>
1: and i'm not and if i were i wouldn't send you a video of me dancing that's so funny <laughs> and you know you know what's funny is uh a couple of years
2: ago we had uh, justin smoke's wife on and she was talking about how Smokey used to play this uh, little tea set game with his daughter and we're like okay first of all, you probably should have never told us that he does that. Number right. one, number two, we need video. And I think right. she put up a couple of pictures <laughs> and thankfully I said, what did Justin say? She goes, Justin knows nothing about social media. So he doesn't have to worry about it. Now you have no social media right. either. Do you?
1: I don't have any social media skills? Like my daughter, she could sneak a video in and get it to y'all somehow, but I've tried, I've learned to that camera phones and they're, they're always on, you know, they're always going at some point. So you kind of have to watch what you're doing around your kids um, cause I've got some pictures that she's put up of me just in her, in her background that I'm like, where did you get that? How did you get that? Uh, so I've, I've got my, I've, I don't have my blinders on when it comes around my kids. That's for sure. You were, uh, your kids were
2: not old enough to really be able to absorb life when you were in the majors. Now that they're yeah. a little bit older, uh, did they realize uh, what kind of a big deal you were? <laughs>
1: No, no, no. Cause I, you know, you know, I'm about as humble as you can get and I, I'll never say that I was a big deal, but Harrison has gotten to that point where like, I'm still getting fan mail, you know, I'll still get uh, fan mail come to the house and he's like, what is that? And I'm like, it's, you know, so he'll open them. I said, it's just, you know, baseball cards. And he goes, were you, were you that good? I'm like, I, I guess I was good enough to have fans send, you know, baseball cards. He goes, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, for him to say at 18, that's pretty cool. I'm like, oh, I wish, you know, I wish they were old enough to understand what I did because then they could, they could appreciate the work and the time away from them, how hard, you know, how hard that part of that, of, of the baseball life was. Um, but what I've been trying to talk to them now, because they're like, they're, I'm around all the time is, you know, more than probably that they want And I've told him the whole time, I said, the reason I'm around more now is because I wasn't, you know, when I was playing, that was, that was life. I said, your mom was doing everything she could to keep everything straightened up here. And I was doing everything I could to, to, you know, have what we have and to, to have a career and to be able to retire at the time that I did. So he's, he's appreciating it now more than, you know, back in the day, and then now, now when I come up to Toronto, like for Winterfest, when I did last year, I brought him with me, so he gets to kind of see a little bit of what you know what was going on and what it was all
0: about. You know, you bring up fan mail. Um, I'm just curious, you know, because you played for a number of teams during your career. Is there is there a city that that sends you the most mail still, or is it kind of even?
1: It's kind of even. Uh, I get a lot from the Northeast, of course. Uh, and, I've, you know, I've been getting a little bit more and more out from California from my time out in Anaheim. So, you know, it it, it, it varies, uh, but it's kind of cool. I've had some come from Japan. I've had some female come from, like, the Netherlands and places like that, which is really cool. Like, when I get something like that, I'll take a picture of it, you know, and i you know, I make sure I read everything I get anyway. But it's really cool to see from all across the globe that, baseball is that big and that you have fans and the appreciation that, that the world has for our sport. Scott,
2: as we talk about social media uh, on the complete opposite end of social media from you is Trevor Bauer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as we record this now, he's still deciding where he's going to sign. He's made this announcement that he's going to do it a la Michael Jordan type of thing. Um, I don't know how well, you know, him on a personal level, but, how do you feel about that kind of kind of look at me type of thing? And, you know, some people just love it. And other people think you just shut up and and pitch, right? Like, why are you putting yourself above the game? What are your thoughts on that kind of stuff?
1: Well, you know, I I was fortunate to be with uh, in spring training in 15 with the Indians. I was able to, I was there with him. So I got to know him, uh, not, you know, just for that six week period. Um, He's, he's, he's a fairly down to earth guy. He's smart. He's super smart. But, you know, he's always been quirky with his red, you know, with his workout regimen, some of the things he did it didn't make sense to a lot of people, but it made sense to him. Um, so, and with the social media, how everything gets, you know, gets, is put on social media and it's just, it, I think that's just the way the game is now. That's just the way you have to deal with how Seattle, how society's going to take things. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a negative thing on him or uh, he. I don't think he's saying look at me, I, me personally knowing him. I don't think he's saying look at me, but I think with with how big his social media platform is, he's using it. He's going to use it to his advantage as much as he can.
2: Near the end of your career, it was pretty much the beginning of seeing the younger teammates really getting involved. And I I'm thinking when your career started, the conversations in the clubhouse were probably about baseball. And by the time yeah. your career ended, the conversations were probably non-existent because everyone was so absorbed in their own little world there. Was that yeah. hard for you to kind of deal with and accept as a veteran guy seeing that happen?
1: Yes. Um, and yeah, I had some issues with the whole... Is that your dog? The, fantasy, the whole fantasy... you hear the dog barking? Yeah, the okay. My <laughs> wife just got home. Um, the whole uh, fantasy football thing for me when you know playing in Toronto, when, it, when it came to September, obviously, right. you know, and we were, and we were out of the playoff race, it all turned to football. And that part bothered me a lot because I, I didn't do fantasy football. Um, it was still baseball was the important thing. So I didn't like the fact that guys were putting more focus on fantasy football than what they, than, than their task at hand.
0: You know, I worked in a restaurant, and I felt the exact same way every September about fantasy football. Um, but, you know, speaking about social media and, 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 you know, personalities like Trevor Bauer or, say, Marcus Stroman from Toronto, um, do, you, do you see major league teams maybe picking up on this? Like, I, I can't help but think Rogers here, a telecom co- company up here in, in Canada, is, is looking at guys like this and the attention that they're getting. You know, can you see MLB moving in a place where, like, ten years from now, a social media like that'll be part of a contract?
1: Uh, possibly, I could see it. I mean, as as big as social media is, and as 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 big as social media runs our day to day lives almost anymore. Yeah, I could see that. Um, you know, because you have all you have all these big name guys that have huge platforms that can bring you know that have the sponsors that you know with with everything they're using so they're using social media to get. They're, you know, their Nike deals, their Adidas deals, they're uh, Gatorades or water. I mean, they're using them, you're using it for everything. Um, so that's, for me, that's the difference with, with the games, with sports now is everything is, you know, used, social media uses it so much. And to me, for a little bit of it takes away from the focus of the job at hand, which is the game itself. Um, you know, and that, that, like I said, the game itself has always been first, first and foremost, all the other stuff kind of gets put, to, put on the back burner. But now, you know, I'd say it's more 60-40 of the game at hand and, you know, what you can do for your, I guess, what's your name on social media.
2: You know, and that's the thing, there is... Advantages and disadvantages, right? There are <laughs> things that you can do that with social media, uh, you know, like helping out a charity or doing whatever, mm-hmm. or even what we're doing here today and allowing a couple of lucky uh, fans of yours to, to join us in a little bit. Right, uh, that's a wonderful thing. But then there are others, and you know, I've I've covered some of these players. You've probably been teammates with them, where. They, they'll look at something that was written about them and think it's the greatest thing in the world. Then they'll get their ass handed to them. Someone will write something nasty and it will affect them, not just Absolutely. in that moment, but it'll burn into them.
1: Absolutely. And it's, that's one that's one reason why I was never on Facebook. It's one reason why I was never on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram only for the simple fact that I started following my kids, make sure, you know, nothing was going crazy there. Um, and I'm still not on Twitter or Facebook because of that, because of, And you know me well enough, if I pitch bad, I'm going to tell you I pitch bad. If I pitch good, you're going to know I pitch. You're not going to know I pitch good. You're going to know I pitch bad. Um, And people are going to say and do what, you know, what they're going to say. But as long as you have, as long as you're not, as long as you're headstrong, I guess I can say you can handle it. But a lot of the guys can't handle the ups and downs of the, of the mental side of, the sport they want to hear they want to get all the praises but like you said the one time they struggle and get they they get their you know they get their stuff handed to them they don't know how to react to the negative comments that they're getting over and over and over and instead of letting it go they react back and then it just gets worse you know the snowball effect comes in so you you just you have to be a strong minded individual to be able to block everything right now because social media is so big you know and it's it's there's people writing stuff every you know every day you know like about Bauer Bauer's a good kid but you know now social media is like is he doing this for this is he doing it for that why is he doing this why is you know just it's just the way it is but uh, he's got the personality where I don't think it, it affects him
0: yeah, it's the curious thing that you know when you when you read interviews with with people that have been teammates of Bowers, just like yourself, the description that comes back of this player is completely incongruous with the player that is up there tweeting for cities to give them three cheers to sign there and, and and things like that um but you know you touch on you touch on being able to as a player needed to kind of ride out the highs and lows and not and not get too low not get too high and uh, yeah, i think it's really telling coming from a pitcher that had the longevity and the consistent success that you had uh multiple teams different leagues um you know, is that the one thing above all others you think that really led to that long-term success for you? Is that ability to just not get down when the bad things happened? Or, or is there more to it?
1: No, I, I've, I've, I've always been like that. I, I, don't, I, I don't let things affect me all that well, good or bad. Um, I guess the bad things will affect me. But I learned along early in my career that the struggles are going, you're going to have your struggles. Um, you know, I was one, I was told if you're going to, uh, Don Baylor told me, if you're going to succeed in this game, you're going to have to understand how to fail. And at that point, I didn't understand what he was talking about. I'm like, I don't want to fail. I mean, who's who wants to fail at the highest level? But the fact of the matter is, is you're going to. You're going to, you're going to say something that you shouldn't have said. You're going to do something you shouldn't have done. You're not going to pitch up to the capability you should have. And how you handle that is what's going to make the difference in either your career going or your career kind of getting shut down. Um, So I took pride in carrying myself the same way most every day. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm human. I had my ups and downs just like everybody else, but I was able to keep it on the short term and not let it affect me long term uh, more times than not.
2: For many, and I would say probably most professional athletes, their career, at least pre-pro career – is just one success after the other, right? You're probably the best kid in Little League, and then you're the best kid on your college team, and then as you make your way to the early minor leagues, you're looked at as going to be the best. You don't really hit that first failure till you've reached that highest level. For someone like that, and again, there are there are other players that really battle to get there, but for many, mm-hmm. you know, you don't see that failure for the first time until you're in the major leagues. Can you see why yes. it is hard for some players to accept that
1: failure? 100%, because the way... Our, I guess athletic society is now is they kids at an early age, aren't allowed to fail, right? You know, they're not, they're not allowed. So then, you know, then all of a sudden you got this prospect status that's starting at an early age. You got whether in, in all sports, not even baseball, I mean, you're talking football, you're talking basketball, all sports, and they get put on this pedestal, so to speak, at such an early age that they're not allowed to fail. Like in, you know, in baseball, if you're a top prospect, it doesn't matter what your ERA is in single A. You're going, you're moving up the next year. You know, you can have a seven ERA. You know, now we've all, I mean, I've seen it. I've, you know, I've had, you know, I had I have a couple stories about that, but it's not allowing the kids to handle the the roller coaster ride at a vulnerable age, you know, their teenage years. Um, yeah, it affects because then they get up to the highest level and they're not used to, you know, they're not used to the struggles and they don't have somebody there to, to back them up. They're, they're kind of on their own. You know, they're out of the house. They're on their own. They don't know how to handle it. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to, you know, it's tough being a parent. It's tough being a coach now because you can't, you, you got to make sure you watch what you do, what you say, how you say it because you don't want to affect the the mental game of it at at such a young age anymore
0: now you're still involved in baseball if i'm not mistaken you're coaching is it high school yeah yeah um how is that for you so how is the program that you're seeing today when you think back on what you went through in high school um is it the same or is it that drastically different still it's different i mean
1: you can tell it's different um the work ethic to me isn't as strong as it used to be because, again, you're, you're, you have kids that have ha- things handed to them a little bit more. They don't have to work for stuff. Um, you know, like we had to fundraise for everything. We had uniforms all the way down to our socks and hats and shoes. Now it's, you know, you, 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 don't have to, you don't have to put in the grunt work in order to get that kind of stuff. You kind of sign up to the team. You pay your due. This is, what, this is kind of what comes to it. Uh, but, you know, I try to, I try to instill the work ethic as much as I can, just as a pride, you you know, you take pride in what you do. Um, you handle yourself the right way. I don't care if this is, I don't care if you're getting nine pair of shoes, you take pride in those nine pair of shoes or one pair of shoes that you get, you take care of it. Don't take it for granted that you're going to get another pair that you're going to get another shot. So you know, I, I've always carried myself that way. I try to teach my kids the same way. I mean, you take pride in everything that you do, no matter what it is. And so I'm trying to, I, I try to, you know, speak my mind when it comes to that. You know, but there, there are some kids that, you know, aren't going to take it. They don't want, they don't want to put in that grunt work. And they had, there are some parents that don't want their kid to put in that grunt work. That's just the, you know, that's the nature of the beast. Um, so you just kind of have to pick and choose your battles when it comes to that kind of stuff.
2: To our uh, two lucky fans this week, we will get to you in just a few minutes' time. I do want to ask you, though, Scott, um, I think the last time I saw you in uniform was during the postseason in Kansas City. And you weren't weren't on the active roster at that time, but you still were in the dugout. You were still a very big part of that team. What did that mean to you, and are you able to look back at that now and maybe – like I don't know was there any difference from how you felt then not being on the roster to looking back on it now a few years later
1: um no uh yeah what I have wished and hoped that you know one time in my career I would have been able to play in the postseason and and actually get get on the mound 100% I wanted to but at that stage in my career you know I was 38 years old um I you know I'd been released earlier in the year I'd signed on to Kansas City and for the, for the first time in a while, in a little while, I didn't feel like there were, there was any pressure. I had no pressure on me at all. I was just kind of there, you know, and, and Dayton called me in. We were having, we were having a dinner and he called me in. he goes, you know why you're here. Right. And I'm like, yeah, to pitch. He goes, no, (laughs) I'm like, what do you know? He goes, yes, you're here to pitch, but you're here to help mentor these, the younger that they're that team. Cause that, that young team was stacked. Um, they had all the talent in the world. And for some reason, they just couldn't get it. They couldn't get above that that threshold. They couldn't get it in their heads that they were that good because of they were so young. So when they brought myself, uh, Raul LaVanias in, Josh Willingham, Knicks, they brought in some veteran guys to kind of help kind of lead them to, to let them know how good they are. So, you know, we were struggling. I'll tell this story. I'll try to keep it short. Oh, no, it's okay. When I first got there, we were struggling. You know, we were losing a few games here and there. We couldn't couldn't get over the hump. And uh, Raul and myself, we talked, and I, you know, I said I think we need to have a, just a players only meeting. Get, keep the coaches out of it. It's going to be quick, and I think we need to let these let them know that losing right now is okay. That we see what we see in them is going to be much greater than what's going on right now. And he's like, 100% agree. So we, you know, we sit and have the meeting and he told the story of when he would come in and face, you know, the, the bullpen, the back end, of the bullpen, how good they were, how intimidating it was to face, to get in the box, knowing who was coming out of, out of that bullpen. So that lit a little light bulb up, you know, in in, in our bullpen's head. And then I, on the other hand, I said I could not, I hated, literally hated, was nervous, crazy every time I came in the face because it was Gordon, it was Hosmer, it was Mustakas, it was Kane, it was every time I faced them, that's who I was facing. And I said, and, and the stress that they brought to me because I know how, you know, you, you knew what they had, so you almost had to be perfect, you almost, you know, tell yourself to be perfect, I said and I said, not, you know, being a veteran guy, I said, to, to have to face that lineup on a day, and day, you know, day in and day out basis, I said, it's tough. I said, you guys don't give yourself enough credit in the box of how intimidating it is from the other side to come in and face. And it was for some reason, both of us, t- it, that's when it kind of, the, the light bulb went off on the whole team's head, the mentality changed. Um, uh, and they started having fun whatever it was like, a, it was a laughing around. It was joking, but it was serious when it was time to get on the field. Um, so I think that meeting helped them relax to just to realize that they didn't have to put so much pressure on themselves because of what the other teams see coming in. If that makes any sense. And, and from there, there on out, it was, I mean, it was, an amazing amazing run and then of course the next year the following year they win the world series so it is it was
2: it's so fascinating to hear that perspective from someone who is as uh, humble as you are Mm -hmm. right you you're not one of those you know i'm the greatest look at me but so did you ever battle with confidence because you're so humble did you ever have a hard time accepting and saying you know what hell yeah I'm a major league player and I'm, I'm, I'm the greatest picture, pitcher that, you know, right now, like was that hard for you to kind of get that um, inside of you?
1: Yeah, it was because I didn't want, I tried to stay an even kill because I didn't want to get that in my head that, yeah, I'm, you know, I've, my, yeah, my ERA is better than so-and-so and so-and-so because as soon as you get to that, that, that level, eventually you're going to get knocked down. And so I didn't want to get to that level. I'm like, and then thinking that I was way better than I was because I knew, you know, you know, event, you know, you, something's gonna come along to knock you on your ass and then you're gonna have to pick yourself back up. So if I kept, stayed on that even keel with my confidence, with my work, with everything else, I knew that if I did get knocked down a little bit, I wouldn't have to climb so much higher to get back to where I was, if that makes any sense,
2: it's really a balancing act, right? Because yes. you need to have the confidence, and with confidence, there has to be a certain level of ego, but you don't mm-hmm. want to be egotistical, right? Yeah. So now I'm the one asking if that makes sense. The difference between ego and egotistical.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it. I mean, you have to have you have to have a demeanor about yourself when you're out on the mound or when you're in the dugout. You have to have that demeanor, but you also have to have that demeanor to where the other team knows you're in for a battle but then when that battle's over we can we can talk again you know what i mean we can be buddies out, outside this but when you're in when i'm on the mound and you're in the box we're not friends at that moment so you have to have that in your head knowing to how to how to separate how to separate the two and i was good about i felt like i was good about that with you know i you know i kept it loose i laughed i you know i just tried to smile when i was on the mound majority of the time that's just kind of how I carried myself. And I think me doing that is what gave myself the confidence because I didn't I didn't take it so serious where I was con- constantly thinking, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. It was more, this is what I've trained my whole life to do. I'm going to go out and do it. And if it happens, if it works out that way, great. If it doesn't, I can go back at them the next day.
0: You know, you played on some Toronto Blue Jays teams that you know didn't necessarily have great seasons um and you know over a career as long as yours, you I'm sure you've played on great teams you've played on you know and you played on terrible teams uh did it change things drastically for you as a reliever coming in behind a team that you knew was in the thick of things and everybody was motivated as opposed to you know some of those Toronto Septembers where we were worrying about football
1: right it it, it does it, it messes with your head but but you're end of the day, your job at hand is what you're asked to do that day. Whether you're 20 games above 500 or where you're 20 games below 500, your job at hand is why you're there. So you have to do the best you can do and hope that the rest of the team follow suit. Um, the spotlight, I guess, when you're in a playoff race, yeah, it changes it a little bit. That does, but it, it doesn't change your demeanor doesn't change your, the simple fact that you have a job to do. You need to go out and do it because once you start thinking, Oh, I can't, I can't throw this pitch or we're going to, you know, all of a sudden we're up two games and now we're up one. If I make this mistake, you can't start thinking like that. You can't start thinking negative. You still have to be, like I said, you got to be the, as even as you can do what you've trained for and, you know, see what happens.
2: Scott, uh, every week here uh, on Out of the Park, we allow a couple lucky fans, our insiders, yes, to be a part of the show. So we're going to bring them on one at a time for you. And uh, first one up is going to be Daniel. And as soon as we get Daniel's audio and video hooked up here, there he is, Daniel. Say hello to Scott, and uh, if hey, you have Scott. a question you want to ask
3: What's Daniel, going on, Daniel, uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. All right, so um, I personally have been to many uh, baseball camps like uh, Blue Jays Academy and like uh, some other clinics as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, has you, uh, have you ever done anything like that or similar to that?
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've actually come up the last couple summers, well, before, before COVID hit. Um, I did the one in Toronto and I did the one in uh, Montreal. Um, I, so I'm, I'm slowly getting my feet, I guess, back on the ground when it comes to working these camps because I've told them I'm available as many times as I can, as long as they'll keep having me. Oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. So Scott, Daniel,
2: Daniel here is also a season ticket holder. His seats are right above the blue Jays bullpen. And he, he quite often will carry on conversations with the relievers and such as someone who has sat in that bullpen. uh, What is it like to have the hometown fans kind of right up above your head like that?
1: It's actually fun. It can be really fun. Um, but it could also be stressful if you're struggling, if you're struggling as a player, it could be stressful because then they can be a little harsh on you. Uh, But it could be a lot of fun too, like you said, to have the conversations with them, to just kind of interact, you know, later on in my career, that was one of the most important things that I tried to do is interact with the fans more and more and more Um, because they're the fans, you're there because of the fans, you know, the fans aren't there because of you, you're there because of them. Um, so you got to give back to the ones that really make it, make it happen. Daniel, were you uh, old
2: enough to ever watch Scott pitch or be in that bullpen? Uh,
3: no, I think (laughs) when he retired, I was three. (laughs) 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 I I wasn't wasn't really a baseball fan at that point. So no, but yeah.
2: Well, we're going to, we're going to invite, uh, our other lucky visitor to join us right right. now. And, uh, Scott, this is someone that, you know, and I don't know if you've spoken to him in a while, but, uh, Uh Gary. Say hello to Scott. Oh, no!
0: <laughs> What's up,
2: Gary? <laughs> oh, you got to unmute you. Oh, we got to get your are you? audio there. Where are you? Hey, we're going to get him to get his audio there.
0: <laughs> oh, there well, I myself. There Thank you.
5: There you go. Sorry about that. It's great to see you, Scott. Good of course, I have to you. do a technical. I have to get you laughing. It's Always. It's too bad that, you know, with the COVID, that the fans can't experience uh, the Jays and... All the alumni is coming up. It's awesome. That's right. Every time you're in town. That is right. Everything you've done for my son Jake, um, all these years, mm-hmm. and be a super fan of yours. And being able to wear your number as his number as and you know, and the support you've given me the last few years as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, with uh, Jake's passing, um, you were right there, and the video tribute that you had done for him. That was phenomenal I know it was uh, it was, a t- it was a hard one for you to do it mean, was Just a hard one watched it it was uh, quite the moving experience and you know impressed all you know over 12,000 people or 1200 people that were at his service yeah that
1: was a tough one but that was an honor to be able to do it that's for sure Scott uh, and Gary for, for
2: those that are watching or listening that are unfamiliar with how Scott you, you got involved in Gary's life and his son, Jake's life. Maybe you can share, you know, how you
1: first came across,
2: uh, Jake.
1: <laughs> Gary, you want to go with this or you want me to go with it? Uh, you, it's all yours. <laughs> no, he, uh, it started, it started way, way, way back when, when he could, he was, what was he probably four or five,
5: five or six when he started. coming. A lot yeah.
1: When he started running, he he would be the first one to run down, as soon as the gates open, he'd be the very first one to run down to the side of the wall. And so, you know, we had a connection right away that, you know, because of his smile, which I always talked about, his smile is what drew me to him and just his personality. And so from the, from day one, we just had a connection where every time he came down to the field, I would always go over and just start talking. We'd have a conversation. Then it turned to, Hey, can I get one of you? Can I get an autograph? Yes, you can get it. Then can I get a hat? Yes, you can get a hat. Then can I get this? And then can we play catch? And it was just, it was just his personality made me enjoy going to the field every day because I knew, you know, I knew he was going to be there and I knew he was going to be smiling. I knew he was going to be wanting to talk and have fun. So knowing that, Uh, you know his you know his smile like I said his uh, I'll keep going back to his smile all the time it it was one of those things where you looked forward to going to the field every day.
2: Scott you run into hundreds and thousands of fans over the course of your career Uh, other than the smile which of course was so captivating what was it Mm -hmm. that that drew you to Jake what was it that made him uh, connect with you the way he did and you know, and, and Gary, after Scott answers, if you want to follow up too, uh, cause I'd love to hear that perspective too.
1: I think it was just, for me, it was his love for life. And it was, it was his love for baseball. You know, he just, his love for the game that we played and just his love for life. And he enjoyed, he actually enjoyed being a kid. He enjoyed coming to the field every day. He looked forward to having adult conversations with players Um, and for me, I enjoyed having adult conversations with a, with a kid and, you know, having kids of my own and missing my kids. I said, he kind of took that burden off me missing mine because I was able to have conversations with him that I would probably be having with my own, you know, if I were, if I was at home,
2: Gary, do you remember what it was about Scott that, that made Jake become a fan?
1: Oh,
5: with Scott, the same thing is. Scott was always smiling at the field, always signing. He's probably the last player on the field signing autographs still. He'd come out in the corner warming up with the pitchers and then come to the sides and socialize with the fans. And Jake just loved that, you know, and they got that that interaction between the two. And it just kept on growing. Mm -hmm. The seasons, Jake would always be there for every batting practice that he came down to the game. You know, he'd be waiting out the gate and... Luckily, he gets to run into Scott a lot of times coming into the gate <laughs> field. Uh, so Jake's got lots of pictures with Scott and you know, autographs from Scott. Scott never stops signing anything that Jake asked him to sign. Yeah. And that's the relationship that they grew over the years. Uh, I don't even know if Scott remembers, but he actually gave Jake one of his on-field practice gloves. All of a sudden, he just mm-hmm. off and gave it to him. It's like Jake said, we're just looking in awe. And yeah. So it was always in this room in a nice case for um, And even when Scott went to Anaheim, you know, obviously Jake's going to be upset about that, but same thing. Scott was the only pitcher on the field waiting for Jake to come because he knew that he was going to be at those games. And it was, you know, that type of player interaction that you never, you know, you want to see more often and you just don't see it. And that, you know, and that's the, the kids become a fan and when Jake started to play rep baseball himself, he took on the number when he got to choose it. He picked 37, and that's in honor of Scott. And just the way Scott worked, his ethics, his you know being a fan favorite and smiling and just being very humble and personal. And Jake learned that and carried on that throughout his pitching as much as he tried. And same thing, he always wanted to learn about the game. Everything he could, he put everything into it including he attended basically every single um, super camp that the Jays put on mm-hmm. at the very first Winterfest, which was very you know early on how they were doing it, to the point right to the end um, when, he, when he could. Unfortunately, he couldn't um, run into Scott when he was in town because Jake had his own tournament that same weekend. That yeah. had an opportunity, but I was, I was still able to drop off the message to Scott that Jake had written. I'm um, so yes. it was just you know and I can't say thank you enough for Scott you know all these years it's just been phenomenal and creating such a memory um, that I still carry every day so thank you appreciate that I
2: appreciate it you know Scott I mean you know you you play this game and and you know you have you make money you 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 get a certain amount of success you get thrills out of that but at the end of the day, like when you see what you can do to change the life of of, of a human being simply by just being a decent human yourself, I mean, to, if it was me, none of that other crap would matter at all in the world of baseball. It would, it was that, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll let you answer. I'm gonna let let Daniel come and visit as well again too, so we can all kind of be be here together. But um, yeah, you know, to have that connection, to be able to change a life, it not very many people have that platform where they're able to do that for someone.
1: Yeah, no, I, like I said, I took pride in carrying myself the right way. And, and we wouldn't have our game if it wasn't for the fans. And if it wasn't for kids like Jake and kids like Daniel, um, that their love for coming to the game um, puts a smile on their face. And if all we can do is have a conversation or sign an autograph or just get to know, just get to know these kids as, as individuals, and not just as a person wanting an autograph. Um, that, that's one thing with Jake is I got to know him as an individual, and not just just a young kid that I would see every day um, getting autographs. You know, we we had conversations, and it's just you know that's one of those things where I took I took pride in, and I'm glad I was able to touch somebody's life as much as he was able to touch mine.
2: Well, Scott, I, I'm so glad we were able to arrange this. I know there's no Winterfest this year, if there was. I'm sure Daniel would be there. Gary, I know you'd be there. Tom, you'd be there with <laughs> your kids as well. Uh, but it's so nice that we're able to kind of connect this way. And, uh, you know, Gary and Daniel, uh, appreciate you both, you know, being able to be a part of this. Scott, man, it's so great to, to at least see you virtually here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, next year we can we can actually do this in person. And, and see you yeah. again in toronto
1: i look forward to it i look forward to coming up to toronto like i said i'm sad i'm not there this week and I'll, you know hopefully the season they're able to come up there and play um the fans can able you know they're able to enjoy the game again uh you know so but i'm looking forward to it and i'm glad i get to do this um and i'll do this as many times you need me to it's a you know it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun seeing familiar faces mm. and talking you know talking baseball and talking the game again
0: thank you so much everybody cheers bye-bye
2: well there he is scott downs and uh i guarantee he'll be back on the show again because uh he's just a terrific guy and you know the interesting thing tom is when uh i got to know scott as a player and i was in the media and he was not i mean he would always smile and be friendly but he wasn't a guy that we did a lot of interviews with i guess because he's a reliever you don't talk to relievers that often but i've gotten to know him so much more now since he's retired and uh he's such a great great guy and a wonderful thing he's done to really and, and i've heard from gary since then he said it it's been so huge for him in helping him heal and to hear him say that uh just shows the power of what you know one baseball player can
0: bring yeah, you know, and not one baseball player, one person. Yeah, you're right. A little bit of kind, a little bit of kindness, a little bit of compassion, a little bit of empathy, just reaching out that hand and trying to get to know somebody that you may not have anything in common with, and look at the absolutely beautiful things that can happen. This whole story gives me hope, not just for baseball, not just, for, but like for humanity.
2: Absolutely, and it's going to take another step in that direction next week when we're joined by former Blue Jade LaTroy Hawkins. Get ready for that one, folks. And a reminder as well, if you want to be part of the OTP Insiders family, uh, go to patreon.com slash out of the park, and you could have a chance to sit in on the Zooms like many of our Insiders have done over the last couple of weeks and will continue to do that. If you want to ask a question to one of our guests, be online with them on Zoom. This is a great opportunity for you to interact. Nobody else does this, Tom.
0: No, nobody else. Does Not it. yet. Heck, they might try now, but yeah, they're they're probably going to try and copy us now. Yeah, That's right. Because I mean, we've done what three of them now. Yeah. And and these have been nobody can stand like no. this. And and you know what, folks? If you finish this video, you know. Yes. Um, this is amazing stuff, and this is people sharing and and learning from each other and 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 making our lives better and. And wow, am I proud to be a part of it. And I'm so excited to share the next ones going forward.
2: And with that, I will just say thank you so much for making us a part of your week.
1: You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.